All right. In the book of Numbers, chapter 22, starting at verse 1, you will find these words. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of the Midians, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Baor, at Pathor, who is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. This morning, I just want to talk with you a few minutes, children, from the thought, sin of Balaam. Sin of Balaam. This morning, as you get ready to leave, or this afternoon, Sister Johnson is going to be giving you a card. And on that card is your memory verse. I would encourage each of you to look at that card and to read that verse and to get to know it by heart. Because in that verse is something very important that we as children of God should know. And from that memory verse, it's coming from Numbers 23 and 8, which says, How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord has not defied? The sin of Balaam. The story of Balaam is an interesting story. If you read this story, sometimes it's somewhat confusing, but at the same time, so very interesting. And this story of Balaam is a story that each of us should know well. Because Balaam committed a sin that was so bad that multiple writers of the word of God refer to it. The apostle Peter 
talks of this grave error of Balaam, this grave sin, this horrible thing that Balaam did. Also, the apostle Jude talks about it as well. But most importantly, in the book of Revelation, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, talks about it as well to the children at Pergamos. And he says that he hates the sin of Balaam. So it's very important that we get to know what that sin was so that we don't commit it ourselves. Because the last thing we want in our lives is to be committing sins that God hates. Amen? So in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, it opens up as the scene progresses. It talks about Balak, the king of the Moabites. Balak was unsettled. Balak was nervous. Balak was uneasy about the children of Israel being close to him. Because he had heard of their successes, he had heard how they had won over the Amorites, and that he knew that these people, these Israelites, these chosen people of God, most likely would destroy his kingdom as well. And so he began to look at what ways he could do to try to defeat the children of Israel because of their successes. The first lesson here is that you as a child of God will have successes because God's hand is on you. He is on you to bless you and to prosper you and to give you success. But in the midst of getting success in your life, it will create enemies. That's just a natural progression of life that enemies will come in your life because you are successful. If you are running track and you're winning race after race, you will get enemies. Somebody will hate on you because you're winning and they are not. Even if they were your friends before, as you begin to become more successful and more successful because of envy in their hearts, they will begin to hate on you. So don't be surprised when those who were smiling in your face, hugging you and hanging out with you one day is not hanging out with you the next. It's all because God's favor is on your life. But I encourage each and every one of you that when those times come, don't get discouraged and don't decide to quit. Don't decide to slow down. Keep going because God's hand is on you. When you start to see this, Hayden, it's a time to rejoice because you know you're in the eyes of the Lord. You know that his favor is on you. But we're finding right here from our memory verse and as we looked at our scripture that no one can hurt you unless God allows them. Amen. Nobody can defy the armies of Israel. Nobody can overrun the church of God, which you are, unless God allows. And so when God's favor is on your life and whatever you do, 
Don't be discouraged when people hate on you. Just keep doing what you're doing and lift your hands in joy knowing that God is with you. If you're making good grades in school, you're making A's and the others are making B's, C's and F's. When they hate on you, don't get discouraged. Don't decide that you're going to lower your standards. You're going to start making errors just to be with them. You keep excelling because God's hand is on you. And so in this text, we see that the king of Moabites had already decided in his mind that they were going to be utterly destroyed by the Israelites. In that text, he said that they were going to lick up everything around them as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And see, when your enemy becomes afraid of you and envious of you, they start seeing their situation worse than it really is. For some reason, when you're doing well and your success is growing, others feel worse about their own situation. See, some people just want to get by in life. And so your excelling puts a light on them and makes them look worse. And so in their minds, it continues to grow and their hate toward you continues to increase. But be of good cheer, children. When this time comes, if it has not already, don't be tempted to lower your standards. You keep pressing and you keep doing the best you can do because God's hand is on you and he has pleased with the work that you do. And so as we look at this text, we see that Balak sent messengers to Balaam. Now here is the main character of our sermon for the day. The sermon spotlight shines on Balaam. It shines on Balaam because Balaam is a very interesting character. Balaam is being called by the king of the Moabites, an enemy to the children of God, to curse them. But there's something really interesting about Balaam that's not so easily seen from just looking at this scripture. Balaam is also a prophet of God. Balaam is from the land of the Ammonites, not from the children of Israel, but yet he is a prophet of God. The first thing that we realize by hearing that very thing is that when we think about the children of God, we think about church, we think about the Israelites, we think that all of the gifts are just given by God to those in that family. We find out from this curious character, Balaam, that God is bigger than that. Balaam has been gifted with the gift of prophecy and the spirit of God dwelled on him to prophesy. But the bad thing about Balaam, at least at this point, is that he didn't use his prophetic gift for what it should have been used for. 
One of the things we see right now is that he's being called out by Balak, an enemy of the children of God. It ought to be clear right now that there is a problem. Here is a prophet of God being called out by those who are the enemy of God's people. Why? Because Balaam hadn't been living right. Balaam's life had been a life of being on both sides of the fence. He was being prophet one minute and magician the other. He was on the right one minute and on the left the other. In the book of Revelations, Jesus Christ, when he was talking to one of his churches, he said, I would rather you be hot or cold. Because when you're lukewarm, when you're riding the fence on the left and the right, I will spew you out of my mouth. It's a terrible taste in God's mouth for you to be one that he has gifted, but you're trying to work on the, on the worldly side and on the church side. You're trying to be spiritual and you're trying to be worldly at the same time. Now, this is one of the sins of Balaam. But I contend that this is not the worst thing. This is not the one that the prophets were talking about. The apostles, Apostle Peter and Jude and Jesus was talking about. But it is sin. So children, each of you who have been called by God have been gifted to do something special in God's church. Whether it's to be of hospitality or administration or singing or ushering or whatever role you play in the church, God has blessed you with the gift. And those gifts are to be used, like Sister May to sing and Sister Porter to sing. Why? Those gifts are given to bring us closer to God. When Sister May or Sister Porter sings their song, as we begin to hear them minister with their song, it brings us closer to God. It makes us go to thinking about the Lord. That's their gifts. And all of you who are children of God have been given at least one gift. And it's an interesting thing that God blesses each of us with is when he gives us that gift, he also gives us skill. And those skills we use to work in our daily lives outside of church and some in. But sometimes we use our skills to work for the world instead of working for the church. The biggest example are some of the singers that we know very well who started in the church singing church songs. But because of their desire to make money, They compromised their gift to use their skill of singing to worship in the world, not God. Some of their songs are about sexual immorality or in other words about laying down with somebody who's not your husband or not your wife. About doing things that you got no business, taking drugs, smoking dope. These things and these songs, they started in the church. But they have been enticed by the world to use their gifts in the world, to use their skill. And that is a warning for all of you. Some of you are very gifted. And as you grow older and go into the world, 
The world is going to entice you by money to do things that you shouldn't be doing. To sing songs that you shouldn't be singing. To dance dances that you shouldn't be dancing. To make deals that you shouldn't be making. But today the sin of Balaam, at least one, is here to warn you that those times will come. Balaam started out as just a prophet. But he used his skill because he had a desire to make money and make money any way he could. And so today in our part one of the sin of Balaam, I want you to remember that when you are blessed by God and in his favor, you will have enemies. They will come because you are gifted. The better you do, the more enemies you get. And there's always somebody looking to take you down. But be of good courage and be rejoiced in knowing that God's hands are on you. He will protect you and he will see you through. Because no one can defy whom God has not defied. So as long as you trust God and be obedient to his word, he will protect you and he will take you to places that you never thought you could be. But the encouragement also here and the warning is don't forget God when you begin to have successes and your name gets to be great like Balaam did because his name was great among all the nations because of his magic capabilities. Don't you get out there and you start to get your name great and forget God and start to do any and everything for money. Starting to do deals that you shouldn't be doing, singing that you shouldn't sing, places you shouldn't be, doing contracts you shouldn't. you got to remember that God is a jealous God, and he will have no other gods before him. So when you decide that you're going to start doing for the world, you're saying, I've got another God. And that makes our God angry. And so in the days... And weeks to come, as the months go on and we continue with different portions of this story, because we've got about three chapters to go. Be very careful to listen to the words of this story and understand the encouraging words that God has for you and also the warnings. Because you're young right now. Right now, your biggest thing is to obey your parents. But there's going to come a day. When you will be on the, out in the world all by yourself and you will not hear the voices of your parents screaming, don't do this and don't do that. Do this and do that. And you will have to be able to make those decisions for yourself. But right now is the time while the word is going forth to get these encouraging words about how God is going to protect you if you obey him. And also the warnings that if you start to dibble and dabble on both sides of the fence, you're going to easily get yourself into trouble that tide can't wash away. You can't get in the bathroom and, and use your body wash and get some of these things off of you when you begin to dabble into the wickedness of the world. And so as I close today, you hear me say that if you are a child of God, I want to make that clear once again, 
that in order to get these benefits, you need to be a child of God. And that comes by giving your life to Jesus Christ. It comes with saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I have been disobedient and I need you as my savior. I need you to come and live in me. It comes with knowing that right now you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That you're not talking with him on a daily basis and he's not talking with you. If you're at that place and you know you have not asked him to come into your life, today is the day of salvation. The doors of the church are open. You can come just as you are and get your life right with the Lord right now. Because while you're young and while you're in the protective care of your mothers and daddies, your grandparents, right now is the time to get your business fixed. It's to say, Lord, I need you in my life. Lord, forgive me of my sins and come and live in me. You can come today, right now, just as you are. You can come. Because Jesus Christ almost 2,000 years ago died for you. Each of us deserved to die, but Jesus loved us so much that he died in our place. And he's saying, come to me. He's saying, come to me. I love you so much. Come to me and tell me that you need me as your Savior. Tell me that you want me to live in your life. And he will come and live in you. You can come today. Come to Jesus just now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you just now. Just now. He will save you. He will save you just now. I'll trust him. but there's still plenty good room. Amen.